This is a talk product. My name is Casey Hald. I am with my guest, Chris Holmes, who works at Experian alongside with me. And uh, super stoked to have you on the podcast today, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, Casey. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. No problem. And um, like, totally understand that we had to like reschedule and I had stuff going on and you had stuff going on and it feels like we've just been busier than ever. Man, I know. Doesn't it really? It's it's funny. I feel like our workload has picked up and I think some for some people, this is kind of like the calm time of the year, but I think for both of us, it's uh, design never sleeps, if you will, I think. Oh, for sure. Like with the quote unquote downtime that we have, it's like, this is a time where we plan for the people that we're going to talk to and the usability sessions that we need to run and the pattern library crap that we need to update. So it's like, you're totally right. Like design, we don't, we don't get that sleep. You don't get that rest. <laughs> Everyone else seems to get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, I don't know about you. We're even looking at some of the stuff we're, we're starting for next year and things like that, just so we're, we make sure that we're all uh, have all our ducks in a row, I guess. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's exciting though. It's an exciting time for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it feels like things are getting a little bit better. Like, um, I don't know about you, but our uh, Costa Mesa campus is starting to open up a little bit. They're doing like a hybrid approach, which is pretty cool. I myself haven't actually gone into the office yet. I don't know if you've gone into onto your, your um, I don't know if you're fully remote or not. I guess that's a question I should ask you. Are you like 100% remote already? Or is there an oh, yeah. campus by you? So there is one. So in Scottsdale, Arizona, there's an Experian campus there. And we are technically hybrid now. Um, my specific team, like our product design team, has not gone back in yet. Uh, but we do have that option. And we've kind of been talking about as a team how we're going to handle that, right? So I think um, what we're kind of currently looking at is the approach of going in one day a week or, or maybe like one, like biweekly. And, and just so we can all be together as a team. Um, but yeah, so right now we're still staying remote, but we do have an office here in, in, uh, in Scottsdale. Yeah. See, I, I feel like I should know that already. I've worked at Experian for three years now. I still have like no idea how many branches we have across the U S. Oh, I know. Same. Same. I'm still hearing about them too. Like I just learned we have like a bunch in Nashville or like in Tennessee and they're spread across. Like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Experian's got quite a web. That's for sure. All over the world, really. Yeah, yeah. I was. I've been talking with the uh, team over at London because they've been working on a lot of um, design updates for their version of our reports. So they've asked me mm -hmm. for some of our pattern material and stuff, and I've caught up with them. And then I just like all of a sudden I was like, oh wait, you guys are from London? Like I had no idea because <laughs> I didn't talk to them on the phone before. I was like, oh crazy! I had no idea that we had a uh, we had a location in London. Well, I guess we would. But like mm -hmm. I said, like ever since being hired here, I've been heads down in our work that I haven't even looked at um, how big Experian actually is. <laughs> totally, totally. When I, I'm definitely super lucky with this company because I work in uh, the global area of Experian. So even though I'm located in Scottsdale, um, like part of our design team is out in London and in Nottingham. Um, and then I've worked with teams that needed product design, like just all over, you know. Uh, in Malaysia, that's always a fun like 2 a.m. meeting or, you know, so it's it's cool to get to see where all the different offices are for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Chris, when did you decide to start pursuing design as a career? So I have a very uh, interesting 
like kind of track record, I guess, on that. So I started off at San Diego State and I was a business major when I first, very first got out of high school and um, quickly realized I had no idea what I was doing or wanted to do and left and went to community college. So I didn't actually start pursuing design until I was 24. It took me six years in college and also I was like working full-time jobs and stuff. Um, but I had started majoring in computer science because I was like, oh, that's what the world needs. And that's what pays is computer science. Um, And then I was, I started along like learning Java and I was like, oh, this is so boring. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, But they would have us make like calculator apps and stuff. Right. And so I was like, well, someone's got to design what the calculator looks like. Like they don't all look this like 1990s style, you know, and that was how I learned about UI design. And so then I started to be like, well, what do UI designers major in? I've never heard of that as a major. And that led me into graphic design as the major. So uh, in college, I kind of pursued graphic design, but always knew that I wanted to do UI UX. Uh, and so really focused on that for like my portfolio in school and things like that. So yeah, that's kind of, that was the timeline was 20, uh, 24 years old and I'm currently 28. So about four years ago. That's awesome. I kind of fell into it a little bit as well. Like I was studying computer science and I also attended community college because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like right after high school, I didn't feel so committed that I wanted to just go straight into a uni and in something because I was still like, I was balancing between, okay, do I want to be doing like being in the video game industry or I like to draw and, but I also like to do music, but I also love building computers. So I was like definitely at a crossroads and I feel like we had a, very similar journey. And Mm -hmm. with uh, computer science, like I got a job as I was in uh, community college, basically creating web templates all day long. So I would work with a designer and uh, I worked at an ad agency and the designer would obviously make the layouts in Photoshop. And my job was to just splice them and to put them together in HTML and CSS since I was learning how to do that in college. And I did hundreds of them at, at, mm-hmm. at this first job. It's, that's all I did was I just punched out, um, you know, code after code, skinning these designs. And eventually that's how I got interested in, in designing. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Like I, it got me curious into actually going into Photoshop myself and learning how to lay out those uh, you know, code structures and, and figure out a cool layout and also how to animate it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I yeah. Think that's, I think that's cool. It's kind of funny I've definitely how that works. heard that. Yeah. And you know, it's so fun. I've, I've heard that from so many people that one of the best ways to learn UI design, specifically like the visual portion is just copy, like copy mm-hmm. as much as you can over and over. And, and that's kind of how you start to see patterns and understand what users expect. And um, so I think that's that's a really uh, interesting introduction into design because I think that's kind of what people are saying, like, yeah, that's the way to do it, you know, just copy it over and over and over. So that's yeah. awesome. And that's how, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Hunter S. Thompson. He's he's an author. That's how he learned how mm-hmm. to write is he didn't actually go to school for, for literature. He copied The Old Man in the Sea on his typewriter, like to learn how to actually formulate proper paragraphs and to create a story and to create a narrative. And that's how he got into being a journalist was actually just copying uh, the old man in the sea and Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. So totally. It's kind yeah. of like that book, um, steal like an artist. 
if you've oh, heard of that sure. one. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like every designer is like, oh yeah, of course. And I think that's valid, right? Like you, you kind of borrow from other designers and, and other artists until eventually your own like style forms. And, you know, it just, it's an interesting way of working that I feel like we all do, but so many people are kind of like hush hush about, you know? Yeah, but, which I don't understand why they, because the, in the art world, um, there's a terminology for it too. It's called, it's called master copies. Like it's literally called master copies. So you're copying master artworks to learn their technique and to learn how they actually created their composition and where they put their focal points and how they use their color theory is to actually copy it. Um, the only time that it becomes bad is when you call it your own. Like mm -hmm. it is no problem copying things. Like my, my wife, she's learning how to code right now she's going to school for for javascript and, and and learning how to develop and i told her like the best way she can learn how to do it is to just find something on the internet that she likes and try to replicate it on her local machine just to code mm -hmm. it statically um, so mm -hmm. it's just like it's an age-old practice that really shouldn't be frowned upon yeah yeah no i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more i think it's uh, invaluable really especially for me like because i started at experience as a junior designer you know, like fresh out of college. And so it was really invaluable to just like, especially in college to just copy over and over and learn. And I think when I came into Experian, it gave me the leg up to be the junior designer that was hired, you know? Um, Cause I mean, this was a huge talent pool and I was a kid from San Diego. They could have hired from Arizona. Um, and I think that was one of the things that gave the portfolio a leg up was that they saw that I understood like basic UX, uh, like already established patterns or how to use design systems or like things like that. I just had the knowledge of because I had copied over and over and done those like those hundred day UI UX challenges where you like make little designs every day for a hundred days or, you know, whatever it was. Um, and so that, that definitely, I think gave me a, a leg up as well, just starting out in the field. That's cool. I kind of wish that I learned at the same company that I just stayed at and, and had a tenure for, like I jumped around so much and it wasn't even really on purpose. Like a lot of the times it was because I was either like laid off or there was a merger or when I, like before I worked at, um, before I worked at Experian, I worked at a NASDAQ and there was an acquisition where another company bought the technology that we designed and with that acquisition, they acquired me. And then mm -hmm. a year after that, they just laid me off. And I was like, dude, like the heck, like you can't just take us out of our, out of our safe zone, you know, say that you're going to buy our technology and then just lay us off. Like, I kind of wish mm -hmm. that, you know, I had that environment where I could like learn and grow with the company and create patterns and actually see it like evolve and see it go to, you know, um, different products and services and stuff and see it, see it evolve, you know? So that's, that's totally. you have a really cool opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely feel very lucky that I've had the opportunity to grow already here. I've been with Experian a little over two years and it's been phenomenal, right? To be able to kind of stay at one company and see it uh, blossom and kind of also see my career blossom, you know, and go from being the junior designer to like one of the product designers for our like spearhead project or whatever is it's a really cool uh, sort of trajectory that I've been on so yeah I know I definitely acknowledge that I'm super lucky in that for sure so what would so there's a lot of aspects to product design right and I feel like our our particular field it grows like and it branches off every year 
like every year I feel like there's something new about product design, like whether it's uh, the actual research or um, the application of actually designing things in Figma or even just designing a conversation with the developers and making sure that your design that you create applies directly to what shows up on production. So I'm curious, what's your favorite aspects of this field? Oh, totally. So I think because I started off developing and I started off like front end, um, I do have a soft spot for that. But I will say jumping into Figma and being able to uh, work with so many of my colleagues so closely in Figma and just have them drop comments and see their opinions has been probably my favorite aspect of product design and kind of what interests me the most is that aspect of collaboration, I would say. So um, like we have on our team, there's UX writers, there's researchers, there's developers, product owners, product managers, et cetera, right? And I love that aspect where I can hear from all of them and get feedback from all of them because I think one of the things that I've definitely noticed with product design is even though I've got the degree or I know a lot about established patterns or whatever it happens to be, some of the best design like feedback I've gotten has been from our like UX writer or, you know, from someone who's not necessarily the designer on the team. Um, and I think that what is what keeps me interested in product design is that everyone can have input and feedback and some of it can be extraordinarily valuable and come from places that you would not expect it to come from. Um, so it's, it's like I get to constantly learn from other fields or from people who um, wouldn't necessarily be the ones that you would expect to give you that advice that like is changing the product or shaping the product. I feel like every discipline has something unique to offer. That's just a unique viewpoint and kind of helps shape the product, I would say. So I think that's probably one of the things that keeps me most interested. Yeah. It's like, almost like you have to design a conversation too. You can't just start and stop with um, the actual discipline of creating a, a design mock-up, but you actually have to design the conversation around it and get the uh, input and the critique that you need to ensure that you're designing the right thing which I think is the most difficult aspect of being a product designer. It's not necessarily creating really nice looking um, designs, but actually making sure that you're creating something that's impactful and that you're asking the right questions, right? You don't want to, mm -hmm. you don't want to design something that doesn't have a good product offering that doesn't really necessarily uh, answer the question that our users have. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think that's valid for sure. So who would you say is your biggest influence? And it doesn't have to be like a person, but like either material that you've, that you've uh, read about or blogs or like, what would you say is your biggest influence in, in product design? That's really interesting. I feel like I have some weird influences in design in general. Like I, it, like in design school, we were given tasks where we could like paint photos and I would always paint tattoos um, so I find I get a lot of inspiration for design and layout in general from tattoos, right? So they have to learn how to conform to the body and they have to learn essentially how to take 2D art and wrap it around a 3D object successfully. Um, and that always enamored me. So that's kind of a random one that I always kind of see what's going on in that field because I feel like there's, it's nonstop creativity right? Like you have to always be thinking of how do I make this the next like 
the next tattoo that's not a copy of another tattoo. Um, and in some ways, I think UI design is the same, right? So we do take established patterns, right? There's like the Sailor Jerry um, version of tattooing where you just stick with what's tried and true. Uh, and then there's also the more like experimental parts of that, right? Um, so I, I think I get a lot of inspiration there and definitely uh, my coworkers, right? So when I got hired on, I was fortunate enough to work under a couple of lead designers and they were just phenomenal. Um, so I would say that would be probably my two biggest inspirations there was just the designers that I got the opportunity to work with here. And then also just following tattoo culture, believe it or not. But yeah. That's funny. One of my, uh, one of my mentors, Aaron Arizari, the dude is covered like head to toe in tattoos. And, um, you know, we met at this company, um, way back in the day. And he would be in these, these meetings with all these corporate dudes. And, and, um, basically he was the only tattooed guy there. And, uh, for a lot of the times, and he was a big influence on me for me getting my tattoos, oddly enough, was like, um, he was the web designer at this company. And I was a, basically I was a content writer and a QA person. So I just looked at, um, uh, tickets, like pretty much web people's websites and make sure that things were spelled correctly. Things were grammatically correct. Um, that there weren't any like physical looking errors or anomalies in, in these web layouts. And he actually designed them. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this guy, he's, his job looks so much more fun than mine. Like, <laughs> and it, it, and it's just like, like that, that, um, influence, I think really, um, took a hold of me in my career and made me want to pursue something more creative and basically be the weird tattoo person amongst a uh, conference room full of big wigs. Like, <laughs> yes, you know yes. I, mean? I love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's so funny how one person we can just watch them and we can be like that. I want to do that, you know, like try and emulate that sort of life. I think that's a, that's spot on. That's awesome. What are your plans for the future? Oh my gosh. I mean, I wish I could tell you. I think for me, one of the biggest draws for UI UX, especially here at Experian, where everything's kind of becoming more like flexible working, is to travel and work. So actually, during um, this last year, I went and lived in New York and just worked from New York. Um, and that was totally fine. Like it was not an, not an issue. And um, so things like that, I think, are kind of the plans that I have for the future is kind of just being a little more nomadic uh, in, in that term and kind of traveling and working from where I'm at. Um, and that's probably more short term plan, I would say. But longer term, uh, right now I'm mid-level uh, UI UX designer and would love to grow into like a more senior role over the years and uh, keep learning more about research. I'm super fortunate right now uh, to be underneath uh, my essentially my like leadership is UX research and I have a fantastic uh, supervisor who is so talented at that. And I've learned so much about like the research process from her. So I think that's kind of a big plan is to learn more about that and get more invested in that. Uh, just cause I think it's fascinating what she does. She's let me kind of assist with some of it and help with some of it. And I'm like, Oh, this is a blast, you know, to see the way that, uh, I guess we call them users, but just, you know, the way that people's brains work, um, I think is, is fascinating. So 
those are kind of my more immediate plans and just to kind of grow and see kind of almost like shape myself as product design molds itself into something new, right? Eventually it'll probably be, I mean, there's so many speculations about what we'll, our career will morph into, but uh, whether it's like AR and VR or, you know, wherever it happens to go to kind of get to learn those new skills, I think will be interesting as well. Yeah, that's one great thing about this field is that it's always growing and it's always evolving and it's always changing. Like, um, especially with other aspects of design like research, it's such a different dynamic because you're, you're no longer just have your headphones on and you're not just kind of in the zone designing something out. Um, you're actually talking with people and um, you're getting to know how they actually work and what motivates them. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you want them to go home. Like you don't want them stuck at work, you know, getting stuck in a frustrating process and basically hating themselves over something that uh, you know, that's your product, right? You want them to be able to get something done quickly um, and go home to their families and, and, and live their lives, right? And that's what has always motivated me. It's like, how can I make my, my user not use this anymore? Like to, to, mm -hmm. to accomplish what it is they need to accomplish and go home. Um, and one person uh, you should look up, uh, his name's Steve Porticle. He wrote a book on um, UX research and I used it as my Bible when I was um, really fresh and uh, working at NASDAQ as a junior. And because uh, I didn't know anything about UX research at all. Like I, I just, you know, created the designs um, and I think even then this was pre sketch. So this was still like Photoshop. So I was doing the, you know, the Photoshop designs and then I would do front, some front end development. And then they're like, Hey, do you do UX research? And I'm like, sure, I do UX research. <laughs> and I am like, okay, how do I do this? And so I looked up his book and I read through it and I was like, Oh, this is actually, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, um, and I was able to actually kind of pull it off and, and now I, I still use those those uh, tools that I that I read about from way back then today, in the job that I do now, which is very much a you you wear a ton of hats, which is fun and it's it's great and it makes each workday different. But it's definitely one of those one of those skill sets that you evolve over time, um, not getting too comfortable wearing one hat for too long, and knowing when to pivot and when to change. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I'll definitely have to read that. I'll, I'll add that to my my must read list. That's awesome. I appreciate the recommendation because I, I it, it, like I said, like it's something that now has piqued my interest. So uh, I'll definitely have to, to look into that for sure. And um, have you attended any like uh, UX conferences or anything? I mean, obviously not within the last year because of, um, I'm not going to say the, the unprecedented word, but um, <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. before that, have you attended any like uh, UX conferences or anything that, um, any meetups like that? Yeah. So I, back when I was living in San Diego, I would go to all the UX meetups and things like that. Uh, since I moved to Arizona, yeah, everything hasn't been super open, but uh, yeah, back in San Diego, I did, they would have like, the, you know, it's literally on meetup, you know, and it's those little yeah, like, UX yeah. get together groups. Yeah. I would do all of those. Um, those are a blast. And I would do the Adobe conference um, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, now that I'm out here in Arizona, I'm excited for those to kind of start up again so I can meet more of the community that's out here. Uh, I think that would be invaluable for sure. Mm -hmm. There's one really good one that um, I make a point to attend every year. I didn't go last year, obviously, but um, uh, it's called uh, UX Camps, uh, Chicago UX Camps. 
and they've got all of the um, people who have been in this field the longest. And uh, uh, I, I make it a point to go every year just because every year I, I learn something new. And um, uh, they have really good workshops on how to actually design a conversation with users and how to conduct design studios and how to um, do all those things that uh, you don't typically get to use a lot within within our job. Um, and then when you learn about it, you're like, oh crap, I can do this a lot faster now that I have this kind of like tool set, this, um, you know, conversational tool set. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely look that up. That's it's, uh, I think it's remote this year and I think it's even in, in a couple of weeks they're having one, um, in August. Well, that's not a couple of weeks. See, my brain is still like, like before this call, I was just coming off of another meeting. And so I'm, I'm still like so fried right now, but you get what I'm mm -hmm. saying. <laughs> oh yeah no mine's my brain's the same way it's like scrambled eggs up in here for sure I totally get it and because I I've been the same it's been just non-stop meetings you know like little mini fires you and I are little firefighters over here for sure oh um, for sure it doesn't get better it does not get yeah. better <laughs> oh my gosh how funny yeah. yeah cool so uh how can someone get a hold of you are you on twitter or are you on um I don't know what else is there like tiktok or I don't even know. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> like, I wish you I yourself. It's so funny. In this field, anytime I say I'm 28, I feel like everyone's like, so you TikTok. That's like your thing, right? Like you're a TikToker. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm still technically a millennial. Um, but I do TikTok. <laughs> okay. Um, I would okay. say probably <laughs> probably LinkedIn. LinkedIn would probably be uh, the best way. Just under Chris Holmes, C-H-R-I-S-H-O-L-M-E-S, like Sherlock. And uh, yeah, yeah, that would probably be the best way. Cool. Yeah, I would avoid Twitter. And yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Twitter fan. Uh, I was on Snapchat once. I still have mm -hmm. it on my phone, but I haven't connected with anyone, and I just play with the filters. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I know. Same. I do have Snapchat, and I also use it solely so I can do those just like random filters where. What's the one that all the all the people started using where it like turned you into a dog or whatever? You know? Oh yeah. All those random ones. Yeah. For sure. Oh, Have yeah, you done the funny. thing where like if you're watching a show and then you use the AR filters for whatever show you're watching and you point it at the TV and you can no. put the filters on you do and it, it tonight. Work? It's hilarious. It's so much fun. Oh that's awesome. Yeah, I'm totally gonna do that. That sounds hilarious. Oh my gosh. Cool. Well, uh, once again, Chris, thank you for, uh, for wanting to talk with me today and be on my podcast. And, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope your calendar starts to lighten up and I hope my calendar starts to lighten up pretty soon because yeah, things are nuts. I mean, it's, it's oh, going totally. to be busy, but it's also, it can get tiring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. In fact, I think you and I have a meeting tomorrow. <laughs> I think we do. Yeah. yeah I mean, now I'm embarrassed. Now I got to look at my calendar. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. I do. Hopefully it does. Hopefully our, our schedules do line up a little bit. For sure. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again, Chris. Yeah, you bet. You bet. I appreciate it. Cool. See ya. I'll see ya.